Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with New York Times bestselling author James Arthur Ray. Along with being a New York Times bestselling author, he is a philosopher and consultant who has worked with over 1 million people from 146 countries through his coaching and leadership programs. He is the author of six books, including the New York Times bestselling Harmonic Wealth, and has appeared on numerous TV shows like Oprah, Larry King, and The Today Show. In 2009, he lost everything after a tragic accident and became homeless with 20 million in debt. He has since rebuilt his life using the same strategies he teaches his clients. His story is told on the CNN documentary Enlighten Us. Ray is on a mission to positively impact a minimum of 1 billion lives and businesses worldwide. Enjoy this interview. Hi there. Hello, how are you? What's going on? You are. <laughs> you are too. Where are you yeah. coming out of? Uh, Henderson, Nevada. What? What's your name? I'm sorry. It, it just says famous interviews on on the calendar. Oh, oh yeah, it's Joe Domino. Oh hey Joe, nice to meet you. I'm James. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. You bet. So before we get, are you are you okay to start? And I I come from jazz radio, and sometimes it can be daunting jumping right in. Are you good with getting right into it? I am very good with jumping right in, and and I'll just roll with you. Okay, cool, man. So before we get into your very busy and esteemed existence, I want to know, how did you survive the last three years with COVID? How did you get through that time period? And how did it change the way that not only you do things business-wise, but personally? How long is our interview? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Open because it up Pandora's box. <laughs> it's a multifaceted phenomenon. Um, do you know do you know much about my history? Yes, all? I do. Yeah. Okay, so you know I've been through some dark times. Yeah. And and so I believe the dark times were a precursor for me for the times we're in right now. And it helped prepare me for the times we're in right now. And and so for that I'm grateful. And I know I'm not answering your question directly, but one of the things that that I'm passionate about and that, that we do in our work is we create independent thinkers. And and we're really we're really committed to people thinking for themselves and not think, taking things at face value and not buying in necessarily to the party line. And so uh, COVID was not as difficult for me, given my history, as it was for a lot of people. Now, business wise, there was a lot of pivoting. And and a lot of, of of transition. So I'm not sure exactly what you want from me on that. I, we could go into a lot of detail, but um, once again, I I really believe I was gifted with as a harbinger, actually, of what was to come, and therefore able to help people uh, deal with what they're dealing with right now. Let's face it. We're in turbulent times and, and people are, are a lot of people are getting spun out by them. So. Yeah. No, you answered that very well. That's exactly what I was looking for. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that have gone through enough life experiences that coming into something like this wasn't as tumultuous. It wasn't a seismic shift like it was for others. Um, you know, it just all affected us in its, in its own way based on our experiences. You know? Yeah, I think the thing for me, and I don't know how deep you want to go, Joe, in your show. It's it's a precarious time because there's so much censoring going on, and and isn't that isn't that ironic that we have to even acknowledge that in the United States of America? Yeah. But it's a fact, nonetheless. And 
And so what really shattered my illusion was in, in 2009-10 when the government came after me like all hell broke loose and and they manipulated the law and they broke the law and it was not a search for truth and justice as we've been told and it was not innocent until proven guilty it was guilty and now you have to prove you're innocent which is completely opposite and so now fast forward to covid and you probably get an inkling of my opinion on covid i my instagram account got shut down during covid with 30,000 followers not because i was i was knocking on covid or saying it wasn't true even though i have very strong beliefs about a lot of that and the cdc is now is now corroborating the fact that 30 i just read 33% of the deaths they've admitted now attributed to covid were not were not covid deaths and that's that's cdc and so i wasn't i wasn't doing that but what i was doing was saying, hey, we need to focus on health. We need to take vitamin D. We need to take vitamin C. We need to work out. We need to eat healthfully. And and they shut me down. They shut me down. And when we went and asked them why, they said, well, it's against it's against uh, our policy or our standards, community standards, I think they call it. And that was the only explanation we got. So, so. You know, that wasn't as shocking for me, given what I'd been through in 2009 and 10. Yeah. So let's get to the essence of exactly what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. One of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that child? I want to help you become an independent thinker. I want you to think for yourself. You know, I've been I've had some great. Are we are we recording or are we just riffing? Oh, no, we were recording. Yeah, I, that's why I, in the beginning when I said, can we jump in? Yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. Great. Um, I, I I want you to become an independent thinker. I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. I, I don't want you to take it at face value. One of the great teachings I've been exposed to, and I've been exposed to many, from, from AT&T School of Business as a C-suite consultant, where I learned, built my business legs, to to the mystery schools of Egypt, to shamanic studies in the Amazon. I've, I've had a very, very diverse exposure. And one of those exposures, I, I studied with a Toltec shaman in Peru for a couple of years, back and forth at, at altitude, 17,000 feet. And one of the things they say in a Toltec tradition is that you should never accept anything or take anything at face value. So, that's what I would say to, to a third grader. You know, don't believe what I tell you. Do your own research. Do your own thinking. Don't just buy in. Keep an open mind. Consider it. Uh, but don't just buy in hook, line, and sinker. Begin to think for yourself right now. And that, unfortunately, Joe, is, is, not, is not popular um, in, in today's world because the reality is, if we're really honest and we look deeply, you know, they don't want, I mean, Rockefeller said all the way back when they formed the school system, we don't want independent thinkers. We want to create good workers. That's a direct quote. And so, so that's really what they're, they're shooting for in our school system. I think our school system has failed us miserably, quite frankly, and it, it doesn't really prepare us 
for the things we're confronted with, particularly in today's world. You know, you, you've got to build a mental toughness and an emotional strength to get through these turbulence that we're dealing with. And if you don't have the mental toughness and the emotional strength, it's going to melt you down. You know, it's interesting because my wife, Beersheba, and I work together and we we worked with a lot of couples. And during 2020, to mention 2020, a lot of couples realized, hey, I'm locked down in a home with someone I don't even care to be around, you know, and, and they're driving me crazy because I can't go to work. And and so we've we've moved from the sacred to the secular. And there's a whole, I'm working on a new book, and there's a whole host of things that have come with that. And that goes all the way back, you know, to to the the Renaissance and and the beginning of the the belief in, you know, looking at nature and humanism and all those types of things, which has a time and a place. But but unfortunately, you know, when I talk about third graders, the other thing I would tell them is listen to your parents. Hopefully they're around. They're probably not, you know, because again, in today's world, we need a two income household just to stay afloat. So where do we go from here, Joe? I mean, I, I could continue talking, you know, indefinitely about these things, but I want to be respectful of you and your show and your time. And, and you direct me where we want to go. Cause there's so many of these things we could go into in depth and detail. Yeah. Well, the one thing I would like to get to is to kind of get to the essence of you and who you are, because you have a driving message that people can go to. We're going to direct at the end, but I want to kind of get to how we got to where we're at, where you're at right now. And I'm curious when you were in the third grade, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? It's interesting because I, I was raised with a very strong nuclear family that I'm grateful for. My generation, I'm right on the cusp of the tail, the tail end of the boomers, which which means that I missed out on all the fun stuff, the Woodstock and and all those things I was too too young for. But nonetheless, if we look at the next generation, Generation X or the nomads, their research proves that they're the most underparented generation in history and so so maybe you fall into that category i don't know but but nonetheless both that's where the nuclear family really started to degrade and fall apart mostly because of a secular society and we needed two incomes and and we got disconnected from the gold standard in 71 and and that has a whole host of things too so long answer to your question when i was in third grade I I wanted to follow my hero, and my hero was my dad, and my dad was a Protestant minister, and I didn't want to become a minister, but I said I went to church, and was, you know, really steeped in the Christian tradition for my entire upbringing because of my father's profession, and I went to church three times a week every single week and i listened to those things and i paid attention and i i was i was really a good kid i never got into trouble and i and i never really went sideways not early anyway and and so at that point in time i i looked at my father and how he was out with this this drive to make 
a difference in people's lives. And I watched him sacrifice. And I, you know, mom was home all the time. When I came home from school, mom was home. And dad would come home later. But nonetheless, I just watched him and I had a lot of admiration for him. And I was was groomed, dare I use that word in today's world, but I, I was I was conditioned, if you will, in what it means to be a man. And and I really wanted to be a man of principle and a man of honor and a man like I perceived my dad to be. And that was the most important thing to me. I didn't necessarily want to become a minister. He wanted me to. Uh, and that's a whole nother story. But but I guess in some ways, dad was right. You know, I'm I'm not a minister, um, but I I do. I do live to the best of my ability a principled life, and I and I'm very I'm very much standing for integrity and honor and and purpose, and I want to help other people do the same thing. So, pretty much showed up now as I as I envisioned without the details as as a third grader. So let me ask you this: as somebody that really is pushing independent thought. And really wanting people to think for themselves. How did that? How did that become a mission for you? How did that? Those seeds get put into you to grow. It's a great question, Joe. It 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 went. It came from darkness. You know, the darkness I've experienced has has taught me. It's driven me, and it's committed me to the light, if you will, and. And the greatest dawn always precedes the darkest night. That's just how it works in this universe. And so when I went through my tsunami, which I call it sometimes in 2009, 2010, I went from being the top of the food chain in the personal performance industry. I mean, I, I was worth multiple millions. I was on Oprah numerous times, Larry King, the Today Show once a month for many months running. I, you know, I, I judged the Miss America contest I, as a celebrity judge. I, I was on the top of the food chain. I, I built an Inc. 500 company and I thought I had arrived and then it all collapsed just in a nanosecond. And so that really was the wake up call. That's what created the independent thinking because when when I went through the accident, which was horrific, by the way, I lost three people I loved and cared about, and anyone with a brain knew it was an accident, but the state came after me for manslaughter, and they wanted 30 years for manslaughter. Now, if the state had have gotten, the state of Arizona, had have gotten what they wanted, I wouldn't be here with you today, Joe, and thank God, you know, that that wasn't the plan, but Nonetheless, that shook me and shook me hard because I I was paying more in taxes than most people would ever make in a year in their lifetime. And I and I was a good citizen and I was in the media. I was a media sensation. And I instantly went from media sensation to media Satan, just like that. You know, the same people who were clamoring to have me on their shows were were now hammering me. Um day after day after day and calling me all kinds of things, you know, from a cult leader to a murderer to, to this, that, or the other. And it, and I, I kept saying to my legal team, Hey, this is America. 
you know, can they do this? And boy, was I shocked. You know, they came, they came into my office in the middle of the night and knocked the, the detectives, knocked the door down and ransacked the office, took computers, took servers, went through desks, upheaved the entire office looking for what? A sweat lodge conspiracy? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, and I, and I don't mean to minimize the deaths. I would never minimize that. It, it, again, it broke my heart. But the reality is, it was, I was in that lodge too, and numerous people got sick. And the presenting problems of the people who participated were not heat related. The state's whole case was I made it too hot, although they were ne no one was in there and there was no thermometer. So it was all speculation. But people were foaming at the mouth and had dilated pupils. The, the, and, and so, again, this is a long answer to your question, but this is how I became an independent thinker because it started my entire world model shattered. And I and I started to think, wow, this this system in this country is not what I have been sold and it's not what I thought it was to be. And so it was a real hard wake up call. It was shattering it. it you know, I, there were days, Joe, where I, I didn't think I could go on. I could take any more. It was really, really difficult. Well, with that being said, this could break a lot of humans. And obviously, you have enough of a backbone, integrity, and strength to have gotten through it. What What is it? What is it that exactly on the darkest day pulled you through to right now to being at a place where you built your life back up and you're in an optimistic place? I wouldn't say I'm optimistic. I I would say I'm a realist. You know, I think right. I think there's I think there's optimism, which sometimes is rose colored glasses, and there's pessimism, which is always looking at the glass half half empty, and then there's realism, which is right in the middle that says partakes in both, and and I would say that's where I am today. Realistically, as I look around and I look at what's going on in our world in our country, I think are we gonna are we gonna get through this or are we gonna be the next Roman Empire? You know, and I can't answer that. I pray to God that we're going to get through it. And and that's that's part of the answer. What what helped me get through it is my relationship with God. And I and I I really believe, I don't believe, I know that one of the things we've lost in today's secular society, you know, secularism is 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 a is defined specifically as a a doubt or a question of religion and it's about it's about you know humanism versus versus god as a creative source and so what we've lost in our current society joe as i observe it is this vertical relationship and of course vertical is metaphoric because because all great traditions tell us god is not somewhere in the clouds god's within the christ said the kingdom of heaven is within and and so it's within but if we call it a vertical relationship there's a hierarchy that says used to say it's god and then it's and then it's maybe parents and family and then then possibly church and then school system maybe and and it comes down the hierarchy well now and we don't have this vertical relationship anymore. We have a horizontal relationship. And what happens in a horizontal relationship only, that's a secular world, 
is the only thing we have to measure what's right and wrong, what's true and untrue, what's principled and not principled, is looking around us as what go, what's going on in, in the world. So if I'm a young person growing up today and I look around me, what I realize is it's okay to lie. You know, lies are rewarded and perjury means nothing. You know, it's supposed to mean something, but it doesn't mean anything. And and, you know, the stranger, the better and and on and on and on. And and so what really has value in a horizontal relationship, money and materialism? You know, and that's what's gotten us exactly where we are. And so when I was standing in the desert 10 years ago, just 10 years ago, I was standing in the desert. I just exited prison. And I was 54 years of age. I was in horrible physical shape. I'd lost 40 pounds I didn't need to lose. I had periodontal disease. I was alone. I was homeless. And I was $20 million in debt. That was 10 years ago. So what do you do when everything you've lived your life for, everything you've believed in, everything that you've given yourself to is totally and completely gone? Well, what I had to do is I had to dig deep. I had to ask myself some real probing questions. Who are you? Now, that's that's an interesting question, because if you ask most people, Joe, who they are, they'll say, well, I'm a podcast host. No, that's not who you are. That's something that you do. Well, okay, I'm a parent. No, that's a role you play. That's not who you are. Who you are is so much more than what you have or what you do. And I had to ask myself, 20 million, worse than broke, <laughs> homeless and broke was 20 million over my head 10 years ago. And and so I had to ask myself, who are you beyond all the accoutrements, all the accolades, beyond all the things you have identified with and the and the self-image and the reputation you thought was so powerful? And I and I had to really dig deep. And then the second question I had to ask myself, and I would say this to your listener or viewer today, if you're in in a dark time. I'm, I know what that feels like, and I would never, I will never minimize it. And yet, let me promise you, when you dig deep, there's a there's a greater power that works through you than anything that ever comes from you. And I hope you get the difference there. Yeah. And so the second question I had asked myself is, is what are you going to do with the next chapter of your life? I call this James Arthur Ray 3.0, which, which presupposes there's a, a, a 1.0 and a 2.0 and and they they weren't always really pretty either um but this is 3.0 what are you going to do with the rest of your life because you know nobody wants to be 20 million dollars in debt and homeless at 54 years of age ever but much less at 54 it would have been really easy to roll up into the fetal position and say well i'm done and i'll tell you joe there were a lot of people who would have corroborated oh yeah you are done and i can't tell you how many how many trolls and haters there were on the internet you know the saying well it was a good run nice nice seeing you you're done well you can't you can't buy into that you have to become an independent thinker and so hopefully that answers your question but that's really what got me back to center 
And from there, I took it one one step, one day at a time. You know, there's a lot of stories in this American lexicon of of people that fall and rise again. Did you draw any inspiration from anybody that did that? Anybody that had a similar kind of narrative like you that you looked at and admired and and looked up to? Yes, obviously the Christ. Um, I mean, that that guy uh, went through tremendous hell. Um, if you look at Martin Luther King, you know, you look at John F. Kennedy, you and 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 some people will say, well, they got all three of them got killed. Well, guess what? We're all going to get killed eventually, you know, one way or the other. Either either our body's going to wear out or someone's going to take us out. Um, but but that's an inevitable fact. But the reality is that we have to ask the question. Not am I going to die? Because the, re- the the answer is yes. The question is, did I live? Did I live? And so you know, the Christ and and Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy and Mandela and all these people who stood for something, even when it was uncomfortable, even when it was challenging. And and Mandela's a great example who who came out of I what two decades plus of prison and, and became president. So it can, it can be done. And what you have to do is you have to surrender your small self to something bigger working through you. And you have to keep the faith and you have to keep moving forward one day at a time. You have to, here's the next, one of the first actions I took, Joe, when I came out of the desert, my, my beloved mother, God, God rest her soul, she knew me well. And here I was, $20 million in debt. And I said, Mom, I need to, I need to crash on your couch. Um, no one wants to do that at any point, much less at 54. And, and she said, okay, sure. And I said, I said, I need to borrow some money. She said, okay, honey, how much you need? I said, I need $2,500. And she said, what for? Now, now, think about this. I was $20 million in debt and homeless. Having to, having to bum a couch from mom, I need $2,500 because I need to invest in a course that I need to participate in online that's going to get my head in the right place. And my mom, because she knew me, she said, okay. And I said, mom, I'll pay you back. She goes, I know, I know you will. But I knew that if I didn't get my my mind and my heart in the right place, that I was done for. I was done. And a lot of people hopefully can relate to that. And and one of the things that I tell people consistently, and it may seem self-serving because of the business I'm in, but it's not self-serving at all. It's things that I have lived in life experience is that you need to invest more in yourself than you do in your business because your business is a reflection of you. And if you want your results to grow, you have to grow. And I, I knew that. And so consequently, I, I began that journey. So as an author, what was the first book in your life that you read that really parted the curtains that either made you love reading or made you want to become a writer? Mm, that's a really good question. I, I've read I've read thousands and thousands literally of books. I, I one of my most prized material possessions is my library. I'm a bit attached to it, which which isn't good. Um, my my Zen master, who I worked with for years, tells tells me anytime you get attached, it causes suffering. Um, but nonetheless, 
there's so many good books there. I I would have to say, you know, the Bible was definitely the first book I ever read. It didn't make me want to become a writer because I was really young and a little resistant because it was it was being thrust upon me every single week, three times a week by my household. I'm grateful for that now. But at the time, sometimes it's a little tiring. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know that I ever wanted to become a writer, Joe, quite frankly. I think things kind of unfolded for me over time. I I was in sales and I was great at AT&T. I had a 13-year career at AT&T. And then I became, I got promoted to sales trainer. And the minute I got in front of the room, it was magical for me. I thought, Hey, I can hold someone's attention. And, and this is, this feels good. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And so that was the first step. And then I went through various manager jobs and, and I became a C-suite consultant at at t school of business. And then when I jumped off, I was doing business consulting work. So things have kind of unfolded. And if, as life has unfolded. And I think that's a real key point because nothing ever came to me in a flash of lightning. You know, I, I talked to so many millennials and Z Gen Z's today and they're like, what's my purpose? You know, it just, it just isn't, it isn't coming to me and it's not, I'm not just enlightened with it and inspired by it. And I consistently say, Hey, dear purpose is to find your purpose. And the re the way to find it is to do the very best every single day with what life has afforded you. Look right in front of you and what life has afforded you and give 100% to that. And then when you outgrow that, life has no choice but to offer something bigger. And that's my experience, because the bigger you become, the bigger the responsibilities and opportunities you you will get. And and so that's what's kind of happened for me. My first book I wrote was in 98. It was it was the science of success. And I didn't even really want to write a book, per se. My mentor at the time, the late, great Bob Proctor, God rest his soul, um, said to me, James, don't write a book. You can't make any money off of a book. And and he's right. He said, he said, create an audio program. And this was Joe, this was 98. This was back where it was actually cassette tapes yeah. and a paper workbook. And, yeah. and so I did that. And then I took those, the, the transcript from the audio program and I sent it to an editor and I said, make a book out of this. So that was how the science of success book came into effect. The, the only book I really wanted to write and I was really driven to write were my last two books. Uh, Harmonic Wealth was a New York Times bestseller, hit the top of the charts in the first five days of its release. And then my latest book, The Business of Redemption, really is the story and the history of my entire journey that we're discussing somewhat here today that took me six years to write and it was cathartic. I, I had to write it yeah. because I had to bring closure for myself to that entire experience. And I, 
I can only, you, I'm sure you can only imagine. I went through everything from anger to bitterness to blame to, you know, the whole, the whole gamut. And, and writing that book was very healing for me. So you had touched on this before when you asked somebody who they are. So I'm going to pose it to you this way. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, readers, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I know who I am. I'm, I ultimately, and this is going to sound a bit esoteric, but this is what I know. This is what I believe. And knowledge is beyond belief, by the way. Um, this is what I know is that I am a, an expression of God in human form. And I, that's, that's who I really am. I want to be the very best expression, this conduit of this primal will to good, this, this, this creative energy and source. I want to be the greatest conduit of that and allow it to come through me and to express itself as me, but I know it's not me. And if that makes any sense, you know, I think right. if you're really wise, um, you realize that what you appear to be doing is being done through you, not from you. And I, I realized this when I was sitting in prison, Joe, I, I went and recapitulated a large portion of my life, especially when I was in solitary confinement because I was so dangerous. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I sat there and I had no writing materials, no books, nothing, just me, four walls and God. And it smelled like urine and excrement, no windows. It was, it was really a horrible experience. And yet I had nowhere to go. I couldn't distract myself. If I'd have been in, in here in this reality, I probably would have picked up my smartphone or turned on the TV or some music or, or watched a podcast or something, but I couldn't, I had to sit there and have a conversation with, with myself and with God. And it was very awakening for me. And one of the things there's so much I could talk about, and I talk about it in the business of redemption to a degree, but I can't go into all the detail because it was deep. But nonetheless, one of the things I realized as I reflected back on my life, I thought I had become a New York Times bestseller. But as I really broke it down, I thought, what did I do to become a New York Times bestselling author? All I did was become the very best me I could personally become to the best of my ability and write the very best book I could possibly put together and allow that to come through me. And then it just became a New York Times bestseller. I I didn't do that. It just happened. I thought I had been on Oprah numerous times. But how did I create that? Well, I didn't chase Oprah. If I'd have tried to call her or write her, she wouldn't have taken my call. And she certainly wouldn't have read my letter. And And what did I do? I just worked on me. I became the very best version of me I could possibly be, provided as much value as I could possibly provide. And then all of a sudden, one day, her 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 production team called my office. So did I really create all that? I realized, no, not really. The only thing I did, and, and this is a, a, a real fine distinction here, because then there's some people who go, okay, well, I can become complacent and apathetic. No, not at all. You have to give 100% to what you've been gifted with 
every single day. You, you know, if I can go to bed tonight and realize I was on Joe's podcast and I gave the very best I could give on that podcast and I, everything I did, I gave a hundred percent all day long, you know, including my workout in the morning this morning, everything to my wife, everything. Then when I lay my head on the pillow at night, this was a good day. Yeah, absolutely. So my question to you is this, we've really delved into some some we we've gotten a good abstract here if anyone wants to get your books learn more about you delve into your world any further where is the best place to go well i'll tell you <clears throat> excuse me um we're we're going to give your viewers listeners a gift and all you have to do I'm, i want to give you a gift of my new york times bestseller harmonic wealth and let me just tell you a little just a snippet about what my objective was when writing that book, I wanted to redefine the word wealth for the world. I don't think I was successful, but I, I like to think big. And so most people, when you ask them what about wealth, how to define it, they'll instantly say something about finances or, or money. But if you trace the etymology of the word wealth back to its origins, it literally translates as well-being, not money. There's a lot of rich financial people who are who are not wealthy because they're not very well, if you will. And so harmonic wealth is about harmony and well-being in the five key areas of your life. I call those the five pillars, financial, relational, mental, physical, spiritual. And so if that resonates with you, which I believe it should, particularly in turbulent times, to, you know, to have a full spectrum of life, you know, I'd like to give you I'd like to give you a gift and all you have to do, I don't know if my team gave you the link, but the link to go to is just uh, harmonicsuccess.com forward slash book. And when you go there, you put in your information and instantly you'll get a copy of the ebook. But we decided to make it better. We also are going to give you a free audio version of the book so that you can listen to it while you're on a walk or on a treadmill, which I hope to God you do on a regular basis. You got to move. And then one more thing we're including is we put together a, a film crew and shot a full feature film called Harmonic Wealth. And we're going to give you a streaming copy of that as well. So if you just go to harmonicsuccess.com forward slash book, then you'll not only get those gifts, but then you'll have the opportunity to stay in touch with us and, and connect with us. Wonderful. James, this has been great. What a triumphant story. Thank you for being courageous and, and sharing the story. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Joe. Keep doing great work. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>